Back in those days, the thermals, they weren't thermals, they were like mini tornadoes, they were huge. Welcome to Soaring the Sky Glider Pilots Podcast. Hello, my name is Chuck, I am your host, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. This is episode 56. This episode is sponsored by the Southern California Soaring Academy, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the high desert of Los Angeles County. Soaring Academy is dedicated to growing the sport of soaring with young people through its 8th grade STEM outreach programs and giving back to PTSD-afflicted veterans during private monthly events. Flight lessons and mountain soaring are available year-round to the general public. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. To learn how you can get involved, check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Soaring Academy or online at SoCalSoaringAcademy.org. On this episode of the podcast, Soaring the Sky took flight across the United States where we did some mountain soaring in the high desert of Southern California. While we were there, we talked to Matt Kewen, who's been flying gliders since 1972 and he has flown the Schweitzer 222. He's also flown the 126 and the Schweitzer 233 and the Blanick and many more. He currently owns a Grobe 102 and will share with us his adventures in the air. So join us now as he talked to Matt soaking up the sunshine in Cali now on Soaring the Sky. Matt Kewen, welcome to Soaring the Sky. Yes, how are you doing? You know, th- this is my first experience here in California doing some soaring. I got to do some yesterday, but... I was talking to you, and mm-hmm. I was asking you if you could share your aviation story. So when did things get started for you? How'd that happen? A yeah, long, long time ago. There was, uh, there was a program called uh, Man in the Challenge. This goes back to either late 50s, early 60s, and it's kind of the, the name of the title of that show kind of describes what it was. It was about different things and events that, for lack of a better word, scientists were trying to figure out. And I think it was called the Wave Project. They were trying to figure out this happened up in, in Bishop a lot. There were planes that were being basically thrown out of the air, destroyed, and so on and so forth. And uh, they actually took a glider up in the, in these conditions that they called a wave, and they found out what they now call the rotor and stuff. There, there's some severe... Uh, shall we say updrafts, downdrafts, and so on, and it would literally slam some planes into the ground and so on and so forth. I was a kid at the time, and it just, not that I got off on the thing of, of planes getting slammed into the ground and stuff, but the, the idea of soaring and the, the background music that played with it, it just caught my ear big time. It was, it was fantastic. So fast forward when I was up to my early 20s, which would have been early 70s. I was out with a friend of mine messing around out in the desert by near to, by 29 Palms. It was in the summertime. We stopped off at this like little shop, not shop, but a little stand there, and they, they sold these like cold drinks and this and that and whatnot. So we're sitting there, and all of a sudden we hear this like plane, a, a motor like winding up, and we happen to look down, and, and we see this plane taking off, and behind it was a glider and going, oh, my God, <laughs> we got to check this out. So it turns out we went across, talked to the people there, and it was a club. Long story short, I got into, into it. It was everything I thought it would be. It was it was fantastic. 
When I went up, uh, the instructor I had to, when I first started out, he goes, you ever fly models? And I go, yeah, I used to fly a U-Control, the tan line, but still, it's you get a feel back from me. He goes, yeah, it shows. You've got that touch. So I was pretty lucky that way. I, I was, uh, I had that gift from model airplanes. So model airplanes actually helped you a great deal. The, yeah, they did. It's uh, And the thing is, even though it was control line, you actually got like feedback through the lines as to what the plane was doing, which later on in life I was, uh, I got into radio control. It's it's all by sight. There's no feeling in the stick. So the I think the U-Control actually helped give me the feeling, which there's, I think that really helps a lot. Wow, interesting. Yeah, so uh, the... <laughs> The toughest part I ever had was when I first started out was on tow. I was going, everything else came relatively, I would say, I won't say easy, but it wasn't hard, but it, it all came. But the tow was like, oh my God, I'm never going to get this, you know? And my instructor says, don't push it. He says, just take one or two flights, don't shove it because you won't do any better. Just let it go one at a time. And it was, he's right. It was weird. I got, I was always fighting it, having a, terrible time with it and all of a sudden one day i got in and boom i go what happened <laughs> <laughs> everything all of a sudden plugging. it just clicked what happened <laughs> anyway so yeah i got into it and then i flew there for about oh i don't know first part of the 70s into about towards the end of the 70s uh when things were going pretty good i wandered out to el mirage out here and back in those days the thermals, they, they weren't thermals, they were like mini tornadoes. They were huge. It was a good place good place to fly. And then as time went on, uh, I got my brother into it, and he lives up here north of this area by about another two-hour drive. It's called Inyokern. Sierra Soaring's up there. And I actually bought a 134. It's a Schweitzer model metal airplane. It was a nice flying plane. And then... uh the disaster happened. I got married. <laughs> I'm sorry. You took a detour, right? Hey, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't eat and sleep and drink and shower in a glider. So the glider turned out to be my down payment for a house, which no complaints. But so long story short, life went on um, here about six seven years ago well my wife was actually diagnosed with cancer back in about 2005 but by this time thank god i was working with kaiser which is like a medical institute or medical insurance group long story short she died from cancer and i i went through uh i don't know how to put it but a lot of uh a lot of mental emotional bs shall we say i wound up in a detox and everything else uh it was a rough road i'm sorry to hear that Thank you. It's, it's called life. It's it's it was tough, but yeah. it's what it was. But uh, while she was sick, my kids got her an iPad. And by the way, I me and and the new electronic age don't do well. <laughs> 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 Just the way it is. We got her an iPad while she still was sick, and she didn't want nothing to do with it. But once she was gone, I happened to look at oh. Uh, Mostly at like Google Maps, for lack of better words. Uh, and I was just from satellite views, just looking at different stuff. And I was with my with my kid at the time. Uh, he he drives trucks, so we were all over the countryside. And I was just looking at stuff from from space, if you will. And I'm not sure where it came from or why I did that. Or I happened to start to look at some of the old soaring sites. 
And I wound up looking here at Crystal. And the way I even thought of Crystal was back in the 29 Palms area, we had a guy that flew from here and landed out at 29 Palms, which is, um, oh, yeah, you're not familiar with it. It's about a air miles, probably about a 150-mile jaunt from here. Is it north, south? Uh, it would be east of here, directly east. Okay, east. So Pretty much east. So, so further away from, like, the L.A.? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's there's a there's a marine base out in that area. Okay. So, anyways, uh, me and my friend were out there, and this guy landed there. And in those days, of course, there was no uh, Uber, there were no cell phones, nothing like that. And so this poor guy was stuck out there. And so we decided, well, you know what? He's got hey, you know, maybe, maybe you can help me out. So we did. We helped him out. We took him into town, got him a place to sleep and whatnot, or a hotel to rest in, and all that, and picked him up the next morning. And from there. He called by regular phone uh, back out here and got a tow all the way back. So what he did, he uh, he gave us two tickets to come out here. So we said, yeah, well, why not? So we checked this place out. Never, I never did come back here again, but then going back to this iPod, I happened to look at this place again. And when I did, I saw these boatload of gliders. I go, oh, my God, I got to check this place out again because by that time, uh, the soaring world, it, it took a dive. It's not what it was when I first started out. And I think it's a lot of it's got to do with maybe the, the economy, the slump that we went through and so on. But I looked at this place and go, wow, I got to check it out. <laughs> so I came out here and yeah, I had to get current again. I had my license from way back when, but I had to get current again. I got current and then, uh, Chris asked me, hey, would you want to try my, one of our single-seaters? go, yeah, I sure would, of course. So I got into their single-seater. <laughs> Which one was that? That's the Grobe 102. There, okay. We got two of them out there. I, I got the one with the fixed wheel. Okay. <laughs> and I asked the dumb question, hey, is this for sale? <laughs> he goes, well, it's actually not ours. It belongs to somebody else. He's leasing it back to us. I go, but I think he wants to sell it. What's his name? What's his number? So Foster, sure to call him up next week. It was mine. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been out here since 2014 August, and I've, I've had a lot of good flights in that bird. It's it's a uh, good flying bird. It's not the most high performance, but it's it's a good flying bird. So, and for the soaring conditions that people may not be familiar with out here where we are, you know, you have the mountains and, right. and quite large. I think. What is nine, ten thousand feet? Some of those peaks. Yeah, this one right, the one that pretty much out in front of us is like ninety-two, ninety-five hundred, somewhere in that. And then Mount Baldy, which is you can't see from here, is about ten thousand feet. So uh, you have the ocean, and then you have the desert floor, and then you have the river. Yeah, we got definitely got the scenery. I, I've got pictures of uh, from it was pretty much over that mountain area. I, I forgot what the altitude is. Somewhere around the nine thousand foot mark. It was kind of a weird day. It was like the visibility wasn't, it was good, but it was kind of like it had a mist or something to it. And looking out towards the ocean, I couldn't, you couldn't really see it, but was, there was like this orange glow. I was looking out there going, what, what is it? Turns out it was actually the ocean, which through the air, the moisture, whatever it was, it just like had this really orange color to it. It was really strange, but beautiful. I've noticed that in some flights before, certain sun angles, looking at water, it doesn't look like water. It has a total different color to it. It's, it's a strange thing. 
Sorry for myself is really... I've always, for lack of better words, been an escape artist. I like getting away from crowds, people, and things, and boy, this is sure one way to do it. Yeah, soaring definitely gives you that escape. It kind of resets me, you know, if if I have a rough week and get in the glider and do a couple flights, I'm ready for the next week, you know, just kind of... Oh, yeah. Nice no, there, there is something very, very... Uh, I'm in one program, and this another program I won't get into, but... Uh, it is quite spiritual. There's certain things that it's like when you feel the power of nature just lifting you up probably sometimes faster than a power plane, actually. It's like it's kind of puts you in your place. <laughs> yeah. Puts you in your place. What's been one of your most memorable flights you've had? One that I kind of like <clears throat> wound up with brown underpants one time. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the 29 Palms days, there was, I got into a thermal, and that was, that was a good lesson, too. I got into a thermal, I was so busy trying to center this thing up, and it was just difficult as hell to work. Kept working it and working it. And I finally look out, and I go, where's the airport? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> looked up, oh, my God. Am I going to make it? <laughs> And the problem was, I had a headwind to fight to get back, and it was, the direction that I was going was perpendicular to the runway, and to top it all off, I had to clear a set of power lines that were like 50 feet over the runway. And I'm looking at this, I'm going, first of all, am I going to make it? And the closer I got, ah, do I go over the wires or under the wires? <laughs> oh. And so the thought goes, the first thought was, well, if you go under the wires, make sure you clear your tail, <laughs> your vertical fin, because that would not be good. <laughs> so the closer I got, what I did was basically, okay, aimed right at the wires, which was actually a slight dive. And the idea was to get some kinetic energy, some speed. So when I got close, I could just pull back just a little bit to hop over. And the run was right on the inside, cranked over and made it. Nice. <laughs> made it. There was another one over there in, in uh, the Indio Kern area with my own glider. There there was like a ridge we were working at, and each ridge had like a little bowl to the end of it. And for the longest, each bowl had like a little spot of lift that would kick you up. And it was relatively close to the ridge. And one time I got to this one bowl and all of a sudden, there was this giant vacuum cleaner that went, like, oh, I thought I was going to eat it, <laughs> which I didn't, obviously. Uh, but those two things is to, first of all, be very observant of what you're doing. And it's, you know what, that's almost true with all of life. Be observant of what's going on about you, what's going on. And in this case is don't always count on everything being the same. Things change all the time, especially here in soaring. It's it's uh, what might be working at this time and moment may not be working later on. And that's kind of what that example was about. Those were the most hairiest things I ever run into. Um, I don't, man, there's so many different flights that I got in my head. I, I don't know what else to put uh, into my head. There, there's been some beautiful views. Uh there's one in particular, I don't know if I'll, I'll try to send it to you. 
It really was, the first time I've ever seen it was my own shadow on a cloud, but it's not just a shadow. You have this, it's like a rainbow halo around your shadow. It's really strange, freaky looking, but beautiful, really beautiful. And the other thing, the other, when, for myself, when you look at the clouds or something like that, it's like down here on the ground, they look relatively like solid, somewhat non-moving, unless you really look carefully, then there's movement. Once you get close, I'd be see all this stuff swirling and doing all kinds of weird stuff, which you just don't see from the ground. I thought that was kind of cool. It's interesting. It's If I had a generous set of wor- uh, wings, I'd just live up there. Right. <laughs> yeah, any day you can be, be flying is, is a good day. Yeah. Just sure. about, yeah. Um, I don't know. Soaring for myself, is it's been just a... It has, and as long as I can keep going, I will. It's it's just a really good good sport. I'm surprised that there's so many other things that they show on TV or, or any kind of media, if you will, but <clears throat> virtually you see nothing on, on soaring. It's like it's kind of strange. It is, you know, and we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, and as exciting and thrilling and peaceful when you're up there all those emotions that you get it's amazing that it's not pop more popular than it is yeah i i don't have an answer to that i don't know either it's uh, i know a lot of not a lot of but my oldest kid he was going to go up and then one time they said later on he goes go up without an engine you're crazy <laughs> it's like <laughs> And that's that's kind of the mindset I think of quite a few people. Uh, uh-uh, I ain't going up without a motor. But the thing is, like, you can't always rely on a motor. Like, if I don't know if you've ever watched, I think it's on the chi- Science Channel, why planes crash, and they have these stories about these big jetliners that literally get smacked out of the sky because of severe downwash. Yeah. So yeah. you can't always trust on power either it's it's uh you gotta again you gotta be aware of what's going on it's it's not a good thing there was a this has not in some respect has nothing to do with with soaring per se but put this way faa rules and regs and all this and that but they tell you to stay away from thunderstorms and this and that so one time one time only i was with my wife we went to mexico and well, when we got back, <clears throat> we are going to come back to L.A., and it was dark. And I was sitting in the plane, I look outside, and all of a sudden I see this flash. And I go, oh, well, we're at an airport. That's kind of not too unnormal. And I looked again, and another flash. Go, oh. And then all of a sudden there's this, like, little raindrop. And then all of a sudden more and more rain. I go, oh, crap, there's a thunderstorm. I said, well, I guess we're going to be sitting here for a while. No, that's not the case. I go, oh, crap, we're getting pulled out backwards. And sure enough, they roll us down the taxiway, and I looked at my wife. I can't believe they're doing this. By this time, the rain was really coming down. Off we go down the runway, and we're airborne, and I, it was smooth. And I go, what? That's not right. <laughs> no longer did I think that, and boom, this stuff hit, and people in there were just freaking in, including me. <laughs> it's a thunderstorm. It, this is what happens in thunderstorms. There have been stories about planes literally getting ripped apart in thunderstorms because of the up and down draft. And the other thought that was going through my head is you hear stories, especially in the Midwest and so on, baseball-sized hails coming down through these storms. What if these guys hit that stuff with the windshield? 
None of that obviously happened, but now when I watch some of these programs, it has happened, which makes me wonder, why did they do that? I don't know. I don't have an answer. I really don't. In Soaring, as you know, we learn about all this, but I think as a Soaring pilot, we definitely experience more seat of your pants, and we feel the power more than someone in a power plane. Well, yeah. Uh, did you ever see the movie Sully or ever hear his story? Yeah. Well, when that, I actually remember the actual incidents happening when my wife was still alive. And when I heard what he did, I go, I bet the guy's a uh, uh, soaring pilot or a glider pilot. And I never heard much about it after that. But as years went on, I go, yeah, he's a, he's a uh, glider pilot. I said, what he did to me made total sense. Totally. It's, it's what I would have done too. He already knew what was up and what his glide basically was going to be, that he couldn't make it. And if you saw the movie, I felt sorry for the guy. Transportation board, the airlines are all trying to nail him to the cross. And it's like, hey, this guy just saved, what, was 150 people? You know, when, when they finally went through the whole thing and they actually did it to what he said would have happened where you needed the time to figure out what was going on, they all crashed in the simulator. Right, yeah. And so it's like, bottom line is this man, he had, again, like you said, the seat of pants experience, which... I was born in Germany, and put this way, me and my dad talked. We, I came over when I was like five years old. He was telling me back in the days of World War II, all the pilots that flew their Warcraft stuff, they all had to learn how to fly gliders first before they got into a power plane. And I thought, you know what? That's a good idea. You I learn a lot bad. more. That You learn a lot more to not just totally rely on a motor. So it's, it's for me, this has been really... Uh, I've been very kind of, I like the, the one-on-one nature type sports, like the guys that surf these huge eight, ten-story size waves. Man, I mean, talk about a pair. <laughs> but it's it's the one-on-one nature thing, even the guys motocross or whatever like that. But I, I like dealing with nature one-on-one, and that's exactly what this is, totally. It is, and I think that's what brings me back to the glider and it did some power before but i I'd, I'd much rather be in a glider than anything else yeah any given day there was er, i did at one time while i was married and i i uh, couldn't fly there was i did get into an ultralight that was actually a lot of fun <laughs> but that's that's another story but there, that's even soaring in that helped how to kind of deal with turbulence and whatnot a lot of fun. Now, the sailplane you're flying in now, what's the glide ratio? And uh, I'm going to go anywhere between 33 to 35 to 1, something like that, which is okay. It's not today's standards. It's it's average. It's not even the greatest. Back in the day, it would have been great. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you can go somewhere. It, it'll scoot you along pretty good. It, I'm surprised. I'm still getting used to how far it'll actually stretch. It's It's... Put it this way, I'm the limiting factor. <laughs> Seriously, I am. Um, which is good because it's called safety. That's the right. longest I've ever been up, um, about six plus six and hours and 20 minutes, something like that. <sighs> the bathroom was calling me righteously badly. <laughs> but that, that's that been my longest flight, yeah. And that was here in California? That was right here at, uh, here at Crystal, yeah. Crystal. Yeah, yeah. So we, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but as far as your experience in soaring, what have you found that, that made you a better and safer pilot? 
got it's uh again it's it's everything in life observation be be aware of what's going on around you uh, in this case today you can kind of see wind direction uh clouds will tell you a lot once you learn kind of i don't know if that's the right word learn how to read them but uh over here you can see that the wind's mostly coming out of the south southwest just by the way they're flowing uh some of these little pieces up here that are just totally like ripped up chopped up when you get up there that's exactly what's gone it's getting ripped up chopped yeah. up that's what you're gonna feel yeah you don't want to get in there <laughs> no to be observant to to keep an eye on on everything that's going on about you is it's not only a matter of that it keeps you safe but it, it kept it'll help you stay up in the air if you happen to see a, like a dust devil or something that's like an indicator that there's some lift there certain types of cloud will be an indicator of that there's lifter, that you, there's birds, soaring birds mostly, that you can watch that they'll tell you where the lift's at because they're doing the same thing. Mostly just being observant as to what's going on, not to be glued to one per, per, per se, one thing on kind of instrument or anything. For myself, I'm still very much seat of the pants. Some of the newer guys, I think they hang on to the instruments too much, which is good, but don't totally rely on them. Keep your head, keep your head out of the cockpit. Yes, absolutely. I know. If, I think that's pretty much. I you inter, have you interviewed Dale yet? No, not yet. Yeah, he he'll probably tell you the same thing. He's got a little book that I read when I first got here, and that was one of the first things he said: keep your eyes outside the cockpit, not in it. So I'd go along with that. Well, Matt, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. It's been, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great talking to you, and and like I said, this was my first experience soaring. Mm -hmm. here in southern california soaring in california at all and I, I had the one flight yesterday and what an amazing place to fly. oh cool cool i'm glad you liked it it's uh different huh <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it <laughs> not for the faint at heart right away but uh, you know you're with somebody and they and they teach you the area and get some experience in of course before you go by yourself but oh yeah yeah no it's no it's it's uh i've had people ask me like you can just hop in there and go, well, you'll kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it. Yeah, you can do it. You just won't come out alive, that's all. <laughs> but it's, yeah, no, it's, it's a good sport. It really is. Well, Matt, take care of yourself. Thank you much. You we'll too. Touch back with you. Okay. And sounds see what good. you're up to. That sounds good. Thank you much. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Soaring the Sky. As you notice, we did take a week off, and obviously we were doing some traveling. And, you know, I had a chance to catch some big thermals. I had talked about it before in the podcast, and thanks to our friends in California, I was able to do that, and wow. I can't really find the words to explain it, but it, it was awesome. It's amazing. If you haven't done so yet, get out there to Southern California and do some soaring. They will definitely show you how it's done. Of course, something you don't want to do by yourself until you have somebody experienced with the flying out west and can do that with you. But yeah, check it out. Some great episodes coming. And of course, we did talk to a few pilots there. And you'll be hearing that in the near future here on Soaring the Sky, as well as some other great guests coming at you. So until next time, have a great week. Hopefully you can get some soaring in. And we will catch you next week right here on Soaring the Sky. You can find us on social media. On Facebook, it's Soaring the Sky Podcast. On Instagram, it's the same, Soaring the Sky Podcast. 
If you would like to say hi, just drop Chuck a line at chuck at soaringthesky.com or you can send us a note on the website soaringthesky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky.